0: Thank you
1: guys for coming uh, today, this afternoon. My name is Tim Hall, and I'm the lead and preaching minister at the CrossPoint Church of Christ in Grand Prairie, Texas, which is right in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metro. Whoa, Texas people! Yeah, that's good. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect this afternoon because it's Friday, after lunch, everybody's tired. uh, But thank you guys for coming and participating in class today. I'm I'm excited to have you guys here. Uh, I'm gonna do some presenting today, obviously, and then afterwards. Uh, Robin and I Robin this is my wife right here Thank you. We've been married 28 years and uh, it's been a, a fun fun joyful ride and we're not done hopefully by, by a long stretch. Mm-hmm. but uh, we'll be around after the session to talk to anybody that wants to talk. We'd love to hear your story and meet you as well mm-hmm. and tell you more uh, some detail about our story if you want to <coughs> want to ask questions or hear that as well. But um, I wanted to, to mention that uh, today I'm going to give a perspective of what I think Scripture calls us to. It may not be your particular perspective, um, and I would ask that we would respect each other in those regards. Uh, But I do know that we're called to love, and I'm I'm hoping to give you that perspective today of what I feel like Jesus' (laughs) ministry calls us to do, even when we disagree, even when we are in tension, even when we're uncomfortable with the situation around us. Uh, we're still called to love, even though we, we might want to uh, do something different or control or any of those things that come along uh, in, re- in regards to that. Um, I also want to mention to uh, Kevin, my friend back here in the blue, he's got his hat up. I guess he just won the Masters. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, I've also got a brand new book out. It's my first book called Beautiful Interference, um, and he'll be available after class. If you'd like to purchase that, you can talk to him about that. Um, but I don't want to take those books home, so help me out. Uh, no, we are, we're uh, excited to have that out. Chapter two in that book is what we're going to discuss today, the stories you're going to hear uh, today that I'll, I'll present in regards to that. I also want to mention that Robin and I um, talk, obviously, about this often. This is our family. We're, we're pulling back the curtain for you guys to see a little bit of how we function and how we operate. Uh, and we don't have all the answers. There are lots of questions that we still have in our journey, Uh, And we we are still searching and journeying relying on, number one, uh, that Jesus Christ is the hope that we have. And we put our faith in him, knowing that at the end of the day, he's the one who's won all the battles, and we're just trusting him uh, through his Holy Spirit to guide and direct us as we enter into this conversation. Uh, I wanted to start uh, this afternoon with, since we're on this Davidic theme, to start out of the Psalms, and I'm going to end with the Psalms as well. So I just kind of want to wash a couple of psalms over us as we begin this discussion uh, today. And like I said, I'll end with one of those as a prayer uh, as well. So I'm going to start in Psalm chapter 34, and I'm going to read the the first ten verses of that because it's very refreshing, it's very comforting, it reminds us of who's in charge and that person is not me, and uh, calls (laughs) us to to be in subjection and and, uh, honoring God in our life as well. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all of my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good Thing. and also in psalm uh, chapter 62 beginning of verse 5 let all that i am wait quietly before god for my hope is in him he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress where i will not be shaken my victory and honor come from god alone he is my refuge a rock where no enemy can reach. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today, first of all, acknowledging that you're the God who created the universe. You are the God, and there is no other God may your name be exalted on high may our lives be an example to those around us of, of how much we honor and revere your name and god we confess to you that our lives have not always been one that has has reflected our respect and love for you we ask for your forgiveness but god we we thank you for uh, the families that care enough about one another to to dig into tough subjects we pray god that your spirit would surround us and give us wisdom and discernment as we interact uh, with those around us and sometimes those who who make decisions that make us uncomfortable, that create tension in our relationships. God, I thank you so much for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ, that even while we were still sinners, you sent your son for us, who died for us, and because of that, God, we have the hope of eternal life and salvation. I thank you, God, for loving us that much, and it's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Now I know that you guys have a best friend. and When I say that word, there's an image that comes to mind, there is a, a name that, that comes to mind, somebody that you think of, man, that is the person I can call at any time. You, you've got a tough moment going on, you can give them a call at 2 a.m. and they will be on your doorstep just as quickly as they possibly can. This is the person that went on that camping trip with you and you ended up getting everything wet and now you shared clothing, you shared a sleeping bag, uh, you, you've been on trips together that you promised each other. We're not telling anybody about this moment, right? <laughs> you've got friends like that who can hold a secret like none other. Somebody that's got your back, so to speak. You know who those people are, and you, you can count them probably on one hand. Uh, those those folks who are who have entered your life that that you journey with, that you've told secrets to, and yet they've not left you, your temptations, your struggles in life, and they're still right by your side. They've got your back, and they're just not going. Anywhere, you've got that that person you can call uh, when, when you get that new job, and you've got joy in your life, and they celebrate with you. You've also got the same person who, when you've fallen, when, when you have messed up, when you've done something that you know isn't right, you call them up, and they're there to hug you up. Anyway, I've got one of those guys in my life who lives in Stillwater, a guy by the name of Trent, and uh, Trent at the time when I was working at a church in Stillwater, he was the deacon over youth and also the town fire marshal, and that helped me a lot as a minister <laughs> to get around some things. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were always into it together. We did ministry about eight years together. We went on mission trips together and float trips together, and we wrangled kids uh, during that eight years. It was a blast. And I remember one particular night, uh, we went over to a, uh, a family who's in our youth group. We went over to do something very ministerially constructive in of paper in their house i mean they needed it done right I mean, it just has to be done sometimes so we went over we parked down the road came over to their house and we kind of hunkered down in the ditch across the road and we got our our paper together and there's some other folks with us too And we crossed the road and the minute we got into their yard the motion light came on <laughs> oh yeah sounds like some of y'all been there before That's so we hustled back across and got down And when the light went off trent and i army crawled up the driveway to the garage door. I got on all fours. He got on my back and unscrewed the light bulbs so they wouldn't come on, and then we got to work, and it was a great night. It was a lot of fun, and they were very surprised uh, the next morning, but I know that you've got folks in your life who will do things like that with you. They, they've got your back, no matter what. They're, they're in like Flynn, if you will. Uh, they, they'll, they'll be there through thick and thin. There are friends you've got in your life when you were you were telling a moment that happened to you in your life where you thought, the minute I tell the story, the minute I divulge this mistake, the minute I, I reveal where I've been in my past, they're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. And before you finish the story, they're already hugging you up. And You realize, I've got this friend for life. They're going to be with me always. Well, there is a a cool story that you've already heard this week. It's the story of David and Goliath, First Samuel chapter 17. If you went to one of the keynotes, you heard it. Uh, it, It's a great story, and you've got this young shepherd boy who runs to the battle line. This the uh, scripture says Uh, he's a great slinger, and uh, Goliath is just livid because they sent this young shepherd boy with sticks to to fight him for all of Israel, but. You know the story, he lets the rock go, which lands in his forehead and knocks him out. He falls over. One thing I didn't realize, I read many years ago, went back to reread that story. That simply knocked him out. That didn't kill him. And so David runs toward Goliath, who's on the floor, on the ground. He pulls his sword and chops his head off. I mean, who says the Bible is boring? This is great <laughs> stuff, right? I mean, there's lots of drama and mystery and mystique and all of those stories. And so you read something like that and you remember, too, that on down the line, that the prince of Israel, Jonathan and David, are going to become tight friends, close <coughs> friends. And they're going to do lots of different things together. They're going to conquer some things together. But there is a story that happens before the David and Goliath story that that may be be less known. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and that's where Jonathan and his armor bearer are going to do something pretty incredible. Uh, The Philistines and Israel are at war, and King Saul and Jonathan have rallied the troops around Israel, and they've got about 3,000 men in their group. But then the Philistines do the same thing, and they have chariots and horses, and a grander army show up, and this uh, agrarian army gets a little squeamish. They get a little scared, and so they kind of drift apart, go back to their farms and their houses, and all of a sudden, they've only got about 600 men left. And they're camped out, and the Philistines are camped out on the other side of the mountain. And somewhere along the way, Jonathan... And his armor bearer slip away from camp. The text says without anybody knowing. Jonathan and the armor bearer are on their own. But well, what is an armor bearer anyway? Well, an armor bearer is one of those guys, by the way, who who makes sure that that the person he's with that their, their their shield, their armor, their sword, their spear, their clothing is clean, dry, and serviceable. I used to be in the the Air Force. And that was one thing my drill sergeant said you got to make sure it's clean dry and serviceable so that's what this guy did for for jonathan he made sure everything was intact that it was well kept and that it was sharpened and ready to go That, that armor bearer would in the middle of battle while jonathan is fighting he would stand at jonathan's back back to back and they would fight anybody around them and the armor bearer has just as much skill as the person he's he's guarding The armor bearer would would forage for food and then cook for the both of them. If Jonathan had been tired or needed a nap, wanted to sleep, the armor bearer would say, you need to lay down and rest. I will stand, watch. I'm not going anywhere. I'm your man. I've got your back. I'm not going anywhere. Well, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they get to these two cliffs where Jonathan knows there's an outpost of Philistines at the top of one of these cliffs. And both of the cliffs are called... Bozes and Sina this is the actual location where they're, they're located and Jonathan says you know God is with us and whether we are a small group or we're a large group the Lord is mighty and he will save the day for us let's climb one of these cliffs and let's take on that cohort of Philistines that are at the top and as we climb what we, what we know that, that God will reveal to us and tell us is if the Philistines say stay there then we'll know that God's not going to deliver them to us today. But if they say, come on up so that we can kill you, we'll know that God's turned them over to us today. And he looks at his armor bearer, his best friend in the moment, the guy that's had his back through many battles and different moments. He looks at his armor bearer after that statement, and the armor bearer says, whatever you want to do, I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm with you, heart and soul. So. Now, if we had been in that moment, more importantly, if I had been in that moment with Jonathan, I might have made a different statement. Uh-huh. I-, I might have said, well, there's a little hesitation in my voice. Let's hang on just a minute. You know, no one even knows that we're gone. If something happens to us, no one's going to come looking for us. By the way... Our mothers would not appreciate us being out here on our own. We would probably need to think about our moms. As a matter of fact, you know, it's happy time right now at Sonic. Maybe we should go get, uh, go get a slushie and talk about the reality of this idea. Uh, we would have done something maybe to work out of the situation, but not the armor bearer. In my book, I call him Douglas. His name isn't Douglas in the Bible, but I do in the book just to, to make it easier to say. But Jonathan and his armor bearer are in this thing together, heart and soul, best of friends, And they stand at the bottom of the cliff and they're ready to take on the army that is in front of them. And the armor bearer is saying, I'm with you heart and soul. That sounds a lot like the words that Jesus would use as we live life out, as we move forward in our our desire to let the world know about the story of our Savior. Whatever you decide to do, telling the story of Jesus Christ, I'm with you. Heart and soul. I mean, to a friend, to have a friend that loves you that much, to say, no matter the storm, I'm going to be with you. No matter what metaphor cliff lies in front of you, I'm going to be with you. No matter what's going on in life, even if you make it difficult on me, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving your side. In the thick of it, I'm going to have your back. I'll stand watch if you need me to. I'm not stepping away from you. I am with you, heart and soul. And you have, and I have, friends in my life who have said those things. People that we know that we can count on. Because sometimes in life, life throws you a curveball. Life throws you something that you weren't quite ready for. An experience that you didn't know that you were going to have along the way. You're, you're at the bottom of that metaphor cliff. And someone turns to you. And they're asking you, Do you love me with all of your heart and soul? Is our relationship strong enough in this moment in my life? Can I count on you? And you both know that the choice that you make is gonna let that person know how deep or shallow your love and your relationship truly is. And in 2010, Robin and I had one of those bottom-of-the-cliff moments. We've got two incredible sons. They're really cool guys. They're 25 and 23 now. They're out doing their own thing as young adults. Uh, We've had a lot of life experience together. I got to be a youth pastor, youth minister for about 20 years before I started preaching six years ago, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm going to tell you, if you can hang out in youth group with your own kids... There is so many memories to be made. It was a lot of fun uh, having my boys in my youth group. I, I did get worried on occasion. I would pull them aside privately and I would say, hey, am I still cool? Is it, is it, is it okay? I'm not embarrassing you, am I? And with love, they would always give me a big hug and i said, dad, you're doing great, keep it up. And that was so, <laughs> oh yes, okay, I'm still cool, awesome. That was great. Garrett is, uh, is our youngest, he's 23. He uh, finished up a year ago at Oklahoma State, and he has a business degree in marketing and management. He just finished a spiritual formation certification uh, in, a, in a school, in an institute in Branson, Missouri, and he's going to start working uh, for a church in Arkansas this month, a long-term internship, and so we're excited about where life is going with him. But Garrett was, how should I say, strong-willed child. Um, pushing the boundaries all the time Robin and I read Dobson's book Strong Will Child many times trying to figure out Garrett and how to work with him Uh, compulsive a lot of energy trying to keep him uh, moving in in the right direction was great uh, but a challenge for sure Tanner um, our oldest who is 25 um, as he grew up he was a very quiet but kind person reflective gracious loving Very active, both of them in youth group, went on all of our mission trips together, camps, weekend events, uh, helped lead small group, very active in the discussion, reading scripture, uh, praying, all of those things. Tanner was in the high school band uh, he was in percussion and played the vibe, and so Mom and I had a, had a good time during high school at halftime. We would run out on the field and push the vibe out for him to play uh, and then push it back off-field for him. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, when he was uh, late elementary school, he was in some community plays, and it was a thrill to get to watch him on stage uh, performing for those folks around him. In 2008, we left Stillwater, Oklahoma, and we moved to the Kansas City area to work with a church in, in Overland Park. And it was a great experience for all of us, and we've got some of those friends in here with us today. Thanks for joining us. That was in 2008, we moved there. And in 2009, uh, Robin and I began noticing that Tanner started withdrawing a little bit, seemed a little depressed, a little down on himself. And we we had a lot of discussions. He was always kind, compliant, and respectful. Uh, But he seemed to be withdrawing just a little bit. And dad being the person I am, mom being the person she is, we would continue to interact in his life. Hey, is everything okay? What's going on? And, of course, the teen answer is always fine. Everything's fine, right? Everything is just fine. That's about the only words you can get out of it. (laughs) Um, But we would pray together. We would talk about God and journey together. We would read Bibles together, uh, passages together, rather, and continue to interact. But everything was always just... Fine. And I didn't realize, in 2009, the burden that my oldest son had been carrying for many, many years by himself. And in May of uh, 2010, uh, one night Robin and I were watching television down in uh, the main level of our home. On the main level, there's the kitchen, the entryway, and, and the living room. All the bedrooms were upstairs. Tanner comes downstairs in May. And there are just tears streaming down. I turned the TV off, and without saying a word, well, nice. I start crying as well. That's that's what you do when when you see people hurting. When you're with people that you love, heart and soul, you, you celebrate joy with them, and you hurt with them when they're hurting. And as he began to talk to us, he revealed that he couldn't. He couldn't uh, carry alone the burden that he'd been carrying since the sixth grade. Nothing had been said, of course, before he started talking. We continued to weep with him as well. But then he dropped the bomb that we were never prepared to hear, and he said, "Mom, Dad, I, I'm gay. I'm same-sex attracted." Let me tell you, as a as a dad who is an A-type personality, a person who's going to fix it, uh, a person who has control of the situation, believe me, as a youth minister, I had, I had worked out all the possibilities. Okay, we're going to be binge drinking on the weekend, maybe sleeping with my girlfriend, maybe get my girlfriend pregnant, uh, all kinds of different issues that, that teens typically deal with. I had never thought about this one at all. And it absolutely sent Robin and I into a tailspin. We didn't know what to do, what to say. He hadn't said anything to us. This is beyond belief to me. He hadn't said anything to us for two reasons. Our son, whom we love, said, I didn't want to say anything to you guys because I wasn't sure you'd love me. I thought maybe you'd push me away. The second thing absolutely crushed me. He said, Dad, I've been carrying this for four years because I didn't want you to lose your job. He's a minister of reconciliation. He didn't didn't want me to lose my job. I mean, who does that? It's somebody that's with you, heart and soul. He says, Mom and Dad, I love you. I'm willing to carry this because I love you that much. We talked that night about how long he had felt that way and what his thoughts were about his own future, or <coughs> how God fit into his journey. Over the next two years, the three of us participated in family counseling, two different counselors, just so to help him move through the situation that he found himself in for all three of us, really. One of the blessings of those two years and those sessions together, both sets, I came back to all three of us and said, all three of us, and said, there's so much love in this family. You you love each other. You want to help each other. You want to prop each other up. You want to bear the burden with one another. What a blessing for the three of us to hear that we had a family that was going to be together, heart and soul. We're all at the bottom of the cliff, and we're going to help each other climb that metaphoric cliff. That was nine years ago. When Tanner revealed that to us, and we continue to be on the journey with him, again, not knowing all the answers to all the questions. We might agree with all the choices that those close to us make in life, but it doesn't mean we leave them, it doesn't mean we stiff arm them, it doesn't mean that we withdraw wishes for a life that exalts God in the process. And we love that we have an open dialogue with our son about his whole life. He's an open book to us. He doesn't hold anything back. We don't hold anything back from him. We, we converse. We talk about life. We remind him, even though there's tension in our relationship, even though there is uh, not always seeing eye to eye in decisions that are made in life, we remind him that he'll never be alone in his walk in his journey. We're going to always be with him in heart and soul, even though it may be uncomfortable for us, even though there's tension in the relationship at times. You know, too many times we offer love with strings attached. We say, tell me what you're dealing with in life. Tell me the temptation that's going on. Tell me where you fell down. Tell me about whatever that thing is. And when that's revealed to us, we agree, you know, we'll, we'll walk with you, absolutely. We're with you, heart and soul, for the next three months. And if you don't get it together, I'm going to have to walk away. Not realizing that that journey may be years. Years. And it calls for us to make a commitment to sometimes situations that make us uncomfortable and create tension. But walking away creating strings and love? Is that the way God loves us? Does he look at our situation in life, whatever that might be, and say, you know what, I- I'm, I'm going to give you three months to get it all cleaned up, and, and if you don't by then, then I'm going to walk away. I mean, what-, what sin do we hold in our life? What-, what decision have we made in our life that God looks at and says, hmm, that's not the way I would have gone. That's not the decision I would have made in the moment. But although we are imperfect, God still calls us his children. Paul says and reminds us in Romans chapter five that while we were still sinners, mm-hmm. Christ came for us. He died for us. So Jesus has not left us, he will not leave us, he's not forsaken us, and he stands at the bottom of our metaphor cliff as well and says, I'm with your heart and soul, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not gonna walk away. It reminds me of a well-known story in John chapter 8. Jesus is teaching at the temple, and it's early in the morning. He's got a crowd around him that gathered to hear that incredible teaching that Jesus is so well-known for in Jerusalem. But but the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are ready to paint him into a corner. They want to do something that will dis dismantle him, get him out of the ministry move him on from their town. They don't want him around, and so what they've discovered is a woman that's been caught in adultery and so they take her out of that home and maybe she has just enough time to grab a bed sheet we don't know that whole course of the situation but they drag her down main street to the middle of town to the temple where they throw her at Jesus feet where she sits on her knees You know Moses law they said Moses law commands that a woman caught in adultery should be killed stoned to death what do you say Jesus of Nazareth the text tells us that Jesus stoops down in the dirt with the woman. And he begins writing something. We don't know what he's writing in the dirt. It could be the names of those who have brought her to the temple. It could be maybe he wrote the sins of those who are making the accusations. We don't know what he wrote. But they're demanding. They want to know, what do you say, Jesus of Nazareth? And, of course, he comes back with that incredible response. And those of you without sin can cast the first stone, can throw the first rock. He goes on to say that one by one, they dropped their stones and they left from the oldest to the youngest. To finally no one was left. Jesus looks up and he asks the woman, where are your accusers? Aren't they not even one here to do so? And she says, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more." I wanted to use that story today to remind us all that Jesus gets down in the dirt with us. He's there with us at the bottom of the cliff. Whatever we're working through, whatever situation we find ourselves in, Jesus doesn't leave us. He's in the dirt with us. We had another one of those moments in the year 2017. Tanner had a partner, his name's Colton. Colton is a great guy, he is very kind and gentle, neither one are flamboyant in their lifestyle, they're very grace-oriented, they want the best for everyone around them. But in 2017, our son Tanner came to us and said, we're gonna get married. Robin and I were at the bottom of another cliff. What do we do? Should we go? Should we not go? We're, we're, we're just lost. We spent lots of weeks and months in prayer. We talked about it, we talked to our mentors about it. We read scripture, trying to find and discern wisdom in the moment. Do we go or not go? What we decided on was we want to be, no matter what's going on in the world, we want to be a light. We we want to be a representative of Jesus. We want to show love to those who may have never known what that looks like. May not even know really who Jesus is. You see, Colton didn't grow up in church. He doesn't know anything about church or Christians except for what culture tells him about us as followers of Christ disciples of Christ and so after lots of prayer and discussion we made a decision to go to the wedding not to affirm that decision but we had made a commitment that we first of all wanted to look like Jesus we wanted to be lights and we wanted to show love that's what God is God is love we're told that if you don't know or have love in you, then you don't really know God. And so we went to the wedding in order to be those lights, to be love, and to be the people we feel God's called us to be. And in the middle of our moment, at the bottom of that cliff, we were at our own cliff too, and guess what? We had 25 of our close friends come to be with us. They didn't come for Tanner, they love Tanner, but they came for us. To say, we're with you too, heart and soul. And yes, it's tense, there's tension, it's uncomfortable, but we too want to stand with you as you represent Jesus to those around you. And we take one day at a time. Every morning, my feet hit the floor, I think of my son, and I think, how can I love you today? What can I do today? be Jesus to you and yes there is tension and it's uncomfortable but our choice even in the uneasiness is to tell those that we love I'm with you heart and soul I'm not going anywhere I'm going to be here when you need me I'm going to represent a loving Savior in the best possible way that I know and sometimes it's difficult sometimes it's hard sometimes it's uneasy tanner colton although i've encouraged them many 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 times find a body of believers to connect with find a community where you can get to know who jesus the christ truly is but they don't attend any church they're not part of a, a body of believers as i said colton didn't grow up knowing jesus or what the church was really all about and the scary thing in this story is a reminder that you and I may be the only Jesus that people ever know. That's a scary thought to me. Because it reminds me of who I'm called to be, and so many times who I choose not to be. And I need to be someone who beams light. I need to be somebody who's willing to love, even in tough, tough situations. And so it reminds me to ask this question every day no matter what situation you find yourself in, what would love do? And that's how we've chosen to love every, every day, by asking that question. We made a difficult decision, a decision about two years ago. We remember where we were nine years ago. Tailspin, we don't know what to do, who do we talk to? And we began to pray and realize that there was another ministry that we may be called into, and we eventually said yes to. Uh, We decided to start a support group for parents of same-sex attracted kids in our home. And we meet the first Monday of every month. We didn't advertise. We didn't put anything on social media. We didn't put it in the church bulletin. Nothing like that. But, you know, the first night we met, we had nine families show up. Word of mouth. People who are also saying, I I don't know what to do. I I don't know how to love in this situation. What does Jesus call me to do in this moment? And every time we get together with those families, we have to relive our story too. And it's painful and it's emotional. But we know it's the right thing to do to help other people along the way who are at the bottom of their cliff too, wondering, do I climb? Do I run away? What is it that I need to do? We had one of the most, I had one of the most beautiful things happen on Easter Sunday. I cried when it happened. Because I know my son, he's not connected to the body of believers. He is a baptized believer. Colton doesn't know. Colton has a twin brother who's also gay and has a partner. Easter Sunday I would prepared a gospel message, a sermon reminding us what Jesus Christ did for us, and there is hope in a hopeless world. And during second service, my son texted me, and he said, we're watching you. I see you. Because we live stream, Crosspoint does. I thought, thank God. Amen. Four guys sitting on a couch watching the gospel message presented. Probably wasn't the best guy to do that, but it was me. <laughs> <laughs> to know that I had my son leading three other guys to say, let's be a part of Easter service. Let's hear the gospel message. I think my dad might be preaching today. Let's turn him on and see what's going on. I said back to him and he didn't hear me. But I see you too. I'm not going anywhere. I'm walking with you. We're at the cliff together. And if you need to sleep, I'll stand watch. If you need to eat, I'll find the food. If you're being attacked, I'll get your back. I'm not going anywhere, even if you make it difficult and uncomfortable for me at times. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you heart and soul. And so Robin and I have chosen to love in this uncomfortable space. And I wanna encourage you, if you find yourself like that with your family, your loved ones, your extended family or friends, to ask the same question that we ask every single day, and it's what would love do? My guess is, love would stand with someone looking at their metaphoric cliff and say, I'm with you, heart and soul. Not going anywhere. I love you. I don't have all the answers. There's tension in our relationship at times, but I'm not going to run away. I'm going to stand and walk with you in the moment. This picture is also metaphoric in the background. It's a road, and it really exemplifies our life, doesn't it? It's never straight from point A to point B it kind of meanders and goes all over the place. Sometimes it goes places that we wouldn't have chosen to go, but <coughs> we find ourselves there. And so I want to encourage you in our time as we close this session together that you remember you take God's Holy Spirit with you, that he is going to give you discernment and wisdom in these moments, and that as people of God, as the family of God, we're called to love with no strings attached. That's our job. That's it. To look like Jesus, no matter what's going on, no matter what people say. That's one of the things that Robin and I have had to work through. We're not all the way there yet, but we often wonder I wonder what they think about us. Do they think I'm affirming my son because I'm choosing to love my son? Because that's two different things. We choose to love because that's what we feel God's called us to do through his son, Jesus Christ. And so I want to remind you that when we're done here, Robin and I will be around to talk to you if you have a desire to communicate just a little bit. Kevin will have um, the book available back there too, but I want to close with a reading of a psalm that I want to use as a prayer, Psalm 86. Just to wash over each and every one of us as we enter into the story God's called us into, realizing it kind of looks like this road that maybe we wouldn't have chosen to go certain places, but that's where he's got us. But even in those moments, the Holy Spirit has our back. That He's in our life. And we can easily look at the story of Jesus Christ and His ministry to know how we're called to live as well. Psalm 86, beginning verse 1. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. No pagan God is like you, O Lord. No, None can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name, for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. And God, we lift this prayer up to you we want to desperately be your people and god we are many times like sheep who are wandering and need your guidance and we pray god that you would instill in each one of our hearts this day that our desire no matter what other people may think that we would be courageous enough to love those around us that we would be courageous enough to climb the cliff that we would understand you've called us to be salt and light in a world that is absolutely saltless and dark that we would be able to point people toward the hope that only Jesus Christ can offer in this hopeless world I pray God that you would give us patience that you would give us the ability to wrap our arms around even uncomfortable situations knowing you've called us to be your people even in those moments God we love you we give our lives to you. I'm grateful for everyone that's come today and ask a blessing upon their families, that you would give them wisdom and discernment as they interact with the world around them as well as their families. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we know it's in him and through him that we have salvation. We thank you for his sacrifice, but more so, we are so grateful for that empty tomb because he's conquered everything. And through him, we too, can overcome anything the world throws at us. Thank you, God, for your spirit that lives within each one of us. Give us strength and confidence to tell your story in lots of different ways. It's in Jesus' name we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today.